Um, you think about running before that, I want to show you something. And it's, I told you I like to do, I really don't do gospel magic, but it's loosely connected, so I want to show you. Is it made a ring? Give a ring? Wedding ring? Give a wedding ring? I haven't read my magic books in years. I 
there's a terminology, uh, it's probably a psychological terminology, in magic. And so magicians, if you want to catch a magician who's not very well practiced, hasn't been doing it very long, and you want to catch what he's doing his move, watch his eyes. Don't watch his hands. He can close his eyes. So if I want, it to, it's, 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 it's a way, I, I want to get to the point where I actually think the coin is going in this hand. I want to fool myself. Literally, until I, until I feel like the coin is going into this hand and then don't believe it. So when a magician has a practice lot, there's certain moves that I do that I haven't done in a while, and I close my eyes for a second. And it's in the hope that you don't see it. It's really weird. I can't think of what the term is called. If you go find a magic book about showmanship or about slides, it'll talk about it. And, um, and so it's a way that you try to fool yourself in. And they'll close your eyes just for a second. And there's certain card moves that I, I still do that, because I don't really have them down that well. It's the weirdest thing. I can't stop myself from doing it until I've done it so many times. And I want to talk a little bit later um, about one of the things in, in community that's so important about uh, deceiving ourselves. Uh, and uh, why community is important. I'm going to give you some, some clear-cut examples. The other thing I want to do, I told you some stories yesterday, and I think that the, to make um, the points really real, I, I'm going to tell you some more stories. Uh, I, I almost wish I had told you more stories yesterday, because I want you to see the real effects of real gospel-centered community in your community, in the church, and how it actually can be. I think a lot of times we think, oh, this is theological, this is book stuff, this is not really real. So I'm going to tell you some things that we've experienced in our community. Um, and um, I probably have too much to go through today. As a matter of fact, I'm going to show you a slide to start out with that uh, I didn't get to yesterday that I think is important. I'm probably going to go through it fast. Uh, but you, it's a great study you can do. Um, so we're going to do it. But let me pray. Okay? Then, Father, thank you again for this time to get together, to look at your word, to look at what you would have for your people, the people that you would fall into Christ, that you would redeem. So we pray that we would find it precious, that we would find your word precious, that we would want to more, that we want to like what you want. Send your Holy Spirit and you would be with us. Be with me as I speak, that I would be clear that I would be with us. Um, so, um, I did a short quick act. I made fancy slides, you might as well look at them, let me see. There you go. So this is uh, what we're talking about, uh, the necessity and command for community, as we talked about yesterday, the value of community for God's people. I hope we get through it all today. And then the impact on the world that, that a community has, that Christian community, gospel-centered community has or should have on the world. Uh, I wouldn't get, this is yesterday. Should we go through this real quick? I'll go through it real quick. Uh, we all want community because we are made in the image of God. The Trinity lives in perfect, loving community that we are to reflect. Communities were broken because of sin, and community becomes self-serving because of sin. We avoid meaningful community, and we listed the reasons yesterday. Uh, Jesus redeemed us and redeemed community with his grace. Now we can be a community to serve each other, not just ourselves. Uh, Acts 2 is a perfect picture of community. It's a picture of the kind of community that we can have if we stay gospel-centered. Uh, Christian community is one body with many parts. God's people need it. It needs you. You don't go to church, you are the church. And when God brings you to himself, he always brings you in a community of people who also know him. Uh, you are a new race, uh, and you have more in common with this, um, you have something deeper in common with this new race than you do people, your neighbors and stuff, if they not, uh, don't have faith. Uh, and that is to show the world how humans are to be and to declare the excellency of God. 
Um, Christ loves the church so much he caused his bride, so we should love the church. Uh, we will live in eternity with fellow believers, so we need to start acting like it by the way we treat each other. And that leads us to what I, what I left out, um, oh, what I left out yesterday, which we'll get on next. So today, the value of community for God's family, and community we find uh, sanctification, a mutual care, fellowship, and evangelism. Uh, I'm actually going to save this one for tomorrow because it goes on how we impact the world. This is somebody, who's he, are you here? Who asked me a question? No, he's in the next class. A guy came up to me yesterday and asked me a, a great question. I wish he had asked me before I wrote this thing, but you'll see it in the next one. I think this is another story I wanted to tell you. It is. So uh, this is a little bit, I want to tell you a story from yesterday again. Ephesians 4.16, he makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Um, again, I, I don't know if, how much we really believe that sometimes because we're too ready to leave or not be a part of or not be there enough. Um, but that is really, really, really true. Um, our pastor now is, uh, he is 20 years younger than me. He's, um, I was, I think, 41. Uh, he's 41 years old, and I can never do what he does. I can never be able to send more to this room every Sunday morning. Uh, I can never, I don't have the patience for Presbyterian. I'm curious, I don't know what that is. It's all the governmental stuff. And I, I just, I've been to one Presbyterian. I don't know what's going to get on. I, I just, I'm serious, I'm dead serious. I'm really thrilled that people like that. I'm so thrilled because it's so necessary. It drives me out of my mind. It's not my personality, it's not my makeup, it's not my gifts. Um, our pastor cannot do, can't begin to do what I do. He, when we first hired him as our assistant pastor, he was supposed to be helping do college ministry. He came a few times, and that was his job assignment, and then, he couldn't handle it. He could not handle it. That's no knockdown. It's not his gift. It's not his whatever. Uh, but that is a picture of this. Again, I could never do what he does. If you ask me to preach every Sunday morning, our church would be toast. <laughs> if you ask him to run a youth group, our youth group would be toast. Uh, so there's, um, I, there's so many different parts of the body. There's so many different things you have to bring to it. I want to take about this lady in our church. Uh, Shirley Moore, she's older now. She started a business uh, years ago and uh, did a fulfillment company. She became very successful. They bought a huge, they built a huge warehouse. She employs a number of people. And she's always taken a modest salary. She's never, I mean, she could probably pay herself a half a million dollars in the company at all. But she takes this a normal, average salary that she always has. She's getting way up in age now. She has working getting out. Um, and she would never leave the state of Maryland. She doesn't like to go anywhere. She is the biggest supporter of missions that I've ever met. She prays for him. Her son was up to the mission with NTW and um, somewhere in Europe to the Muslim missionaries in charge of that. Her grandson was in uh, Ankara, uh, Turkey, uh, as a missionary there. Um, Whenever I talk about El Salvador, she comes and hands me lots of money. Because she has a, um, a uh, she made a, her company made a, what do you call it, uh, straight word, a fund, I mean, what do you call it? 
What's that? Trust fund. A trust fund, thank you. Uh, that she can, instead of paying herself, that she can sell some money in this trust fund. Um, Olivia, I was walking out of church one day, and she handed me a check when we were going down to El Salvador, and it was $20,000 for one trip. And um, she, I think a good part of the body is somebody who's a good businessman says, I want to make as much money as I can so I can give money to the kingdom. I think that is a big part. Uh, I, there was some, my, my brother, I hope he doesn't listen to this, he probably will be telling you this. Uh, my brother's a year younger than me, and he's uh, financially much, much more successful. He's a very good businessman. He's the most generous guy you ever And he always, always supports my work. I don't say I work on I'm always checks are flying with the church for our work in El Salvador. Uh, those kind of people are really important. Um, the, um, somebody else who else was it? Oh, so. Literally, almost everything I tell you, a couple things have come from me. If they're wrong, you probably came from me. But the, think of the bigger body. Um, and think of, as I mentioned Francis Chan, John Piper, Tim Keller, uh, C.J. Mahaney, uh, this, uh, the Catholic guy here, what's his name? I can't even pronounce his name. Dean Benier. Um, and others. I didn't mention them all here. Uh, I wouldn't have my understanding of community if it wasn't for the bigger body. Uh, we, take our, we take our youth groups to a bunch of different churches. I think that's what it is. We go to different churches. Uh, we go to churches in D.C. Uh, we go to churches in different denominations. We do retreats with churches on the island from different denominations. And that picture of the bigger body is, is, is important to, to keep in mind as well. Um, all right. I'm going to say I'm going to run out of time here because I'm going back. Uh, I do want to tell you one more thing, the bigger body as I'm going here. Um, uh, El Salvador. We spent a lot of time in El Salvador. Uh, been there 43 times. Our church has been there 43 times. Uh, El Salvador, I think, has changed our church. And those guys in El Salvador have never been to the United States. Um, but we have three, four, three, three or four pastors that we've been involved with down there. And because of them, the people in my church have come back as different people. And there you get another picture of the bigger body. Um, so uh, this is what I really missed yesterday that I, I want to go through quickly, but I want to lay the groundwork for it. I read to you 1 Peter 2.9 about uh, the, the same verse. I think that instead of daily love, they call, it said, uh, what did it say, um, precious people or something like that? That's precious people. Huh? That's the chosen race is what I have to say right now. Yes, correct. He did call it a chosen race. I can't. I got this in my head right now. Uh, this was my verse forever and ever, and then the First Peter two nine went up. But, but anyhow, it's pretty much the same verse. Therefore, as God's chosen people, so God, it's a new race. He chose us. He paid for us. He died for us. He redeemed us to be His people. They don't even say He chose you. Says He chose His people here. Um, holy. What does holy mean? You might know what holy means. Set apart. We're set apart. We're now God chose me. We're set apart for His purposes, and dearly loved. And then He says, "Close yourself with compassion and all these things: kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. Bear with each other, forgive each other, and on and on." This is the beginning of what we call the one anotherings. Has anybody ever seen the one anotherings? In the in New Testament, over a hundred times, it's listed how we're supposed to treat one another. If we are 
chosen by God, redeemed by God, paid for by God, set apart for God, and dearly loved by God, it says we're supposed to treat people a certain way. There are a hundred, I think it's just over a hundred different times in the New Testament it's mentioned uh, one another. I want to show you some of them really quick. There's a guy, you can go online, just like everybody has done this online, we've done a study with it, but uh, there's a guy that did a great breakdown because what he did is he put them in uh, the, the first one-third of the one another commands deal with the unity of the church. Uh, again, I don't want to really kind of do it, but um, be at peace with one another, don't grumble, be the same mind with one another, accept one another, wait for one another before starting communion, uh, don't bite, devour, and consume one another, uh, don't boastfully challenge or envy one another, gentle, patient, tolerant, kind-hearted, forgiving, uh, bear and forgive one another, seek the good for one another, don't be evil, don't complain against one another, confess your sins to one another. This is all about unity. Um, where is it? Uh, one third of instruct Christians to love one another. Uh, the, I actually couldn't fit them on the slide. This list right here was, was really big. Um, love one another, uh, serve one another, tolerate one another, greet one another with the kiss of love. Uh, make sure it's the right kind of kiss. Uh, be devoted to one another. Um, humility. 15 stress attitude is humility. Um, give preference to one another. Regard one another more important than yourself. Serve one another. Wash one another's feet. Don't be haughty. Be of self same mind. Uh, be subject to one another. Clothe yourself with humility towards one another. Uh, here's the rest of them. Don't judge one another. Don't put a stumbling block in a brother's way. Greet one another with a kiss. Husband and wife, don't deprive one another of physical energy. Bear one another's burdens. Speak the truth. Don't lie to one another, comfort one another, encourage, build up, uh, stimulate one another to good, to love and good deeds, pray for one another, be hospitable to one another. Uh, this is the guy, if you want to find what, how he's really broken it down, I really like, I looked at a bunch of them, Jeffrey Kranz, K-R-A-N-Z. Uh, actually, I think he's one of the earlier ones if you look up one another. And, uh, it doesn't like the spelling because it's not an actual word. Um, but uh, they're, they're on there. And what I find really, really, really interesting about that, if you go back to this, we don't do those things, the one anotherings, we don't treat each other that way to be part of the body, to be God's chosen people, to be holy and dear. We don't do that to be dearly loving God. We do that because we are. That's why I like this verse because he always says, therefore. That means you want to know why I said, well, you have to, therefore, because of. And so you, some of us put it the other way around, that we have to do those things to be part of God's family. We don't. We do those things because we are part of God's family, because of what he's done for us, because of how precious he is, and how precious our salvation is. That's a big point. I know I'm making it really fast, but that's a big point, a difference in our motivation. Does that make sense? Okay. I should have done that yesterday, but I did run out of time. So. Any questions before I move on? Again, I, I jumped by that one because I really wanted that too. Um, all right. So, um, okay. Um, oh, hey, the, the other thing I want to say about one anothering. So, I, I showed the slide at the beginning. I said the, the, the things that community, we, we value in community. And one of the things we said is sanctification. And that's being, you know, the short definition is to be made more like Christ, to be imitate Christ more, and to 
you know, put off the old man, put off the old sin, and, and put on the new. And of course, you know, we need the Holy Spirit, we need the Word of God, and you need the body. That's how the Holy Spirit implements the Word of body in our life. Um, all this one another, let's just look at one. All right, here. How about that? Tolerate one another, one right in the middle. You know how hard that is to do? Especially if you're used that one. Uh, uh, be devoted to one another. You know how hard that is to do? Um, how about serve one another? How about wash one another's feet? Well, you know, literally, but you know what they mean. Um, be subject to one another. Um, give preference to one another in honor. We don't do that really well at all. And you can go to all, some of you even harder than that. One of the things in community, even, even though we are supposed to be this way because we're God's people, one of the things is that when you rub up against other people that exposes your sin, and you realize that you're not like that, and that God says, gosh, you're my people, why? You know, you've seen the grace I give you, what's, what's going on? That's one of the things exposed to our sin, and that's the beginning part of, of sanctification. We have to see our sin. Um, th- this one here I found, as a magician, found interesting. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? This is why I did a little coin trick. You can deceive yourself, and the smarter you are, the more likely you are to deceive yourself, I, I think. But you can really deceive yourself. You can convince yourself that it's okay or that it's not so bad or that it doesn't need it. All kinds of things you can deceive yourself. Um, Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth as his neighbor, for we are members of one body. We really, in community, if God designed you this way, designed community this way, you need each other to, to speak truth to each other to show you how deceitful your heart is. Um, So, have you ever had anybody to gently and lovingly in community point out something in your life or in your heart or the way you, the way you react to something, the way you've done something that opens your eyes to it? I have. Uh, it's too long for me to tell you all about it. I had an incident where I was involved in a business thing deal with somebody and it was, I mean, I really got taken by a guy, but my reaction was, was not. I don't really, I, I didn't know how much justified. I really convinced myself. Um, but someone really pointed it out to me, and one of the owners of the church is a good friend of mine. Um, but I want to tell you about a, a story in the Bible, and then I'll tell you about direct hands-on piece of how this works. So, uh, you know the story about King David? I'm going to read it to you. You know the story of King David when he committed adultery with Bathsheba, and, and uh, her husband was off the ward. He actually ended up having him murdered. Now, he didn't murder him by his hands himself, he had to put the front line. Um, King David, his, his biggest sins as those were, he was oblivious to it. I think because of this verse. He deceived himself. I'm the king. Where, where should, this is, you know the story, right? Where, where should he have been? Where should David have been? He should have been off the war. But he convinced himself that he, that he was the king. I'm justified. I, I didn't have any woman I want. You know, I think he realized, and then he even deceived himself with it, and on and on. It wasn't until 
what happened. But Nathan came along and spoke truth to him. I mean, that's how deceitful. You think that's King David? That's you. That's you. You convince yourself often. You need the body. You need people speaking truth in your life. That's how God designed us to work. Um, so I have a good friend of mine that I meet with every week um, uh, for coffee. We meet early morning for about an hour. And uh, he is, he's had a rough life, a uh, really rough life. And uh, he doesn't, he was in prison, came to faith in prison, incredible story. Um, and he doesn't have tons of friends. I'm, I'm probably his best friend. Um, I meet with him every week, and literally sometimes in an hour, I will speak for five minutes. I'll speak for 55 minutes. And probably because he didn't have other friends. And, and this is, he needs. And he, um, he's well read. He's got a really high IQ. I mean, the guy is so smart, and he's so well read. It's crazy how well read he is. But he had an issue. Uh, I'll just tell you the story, right? He, he, was, he was living with a woman who he had met and who had, um, that she had a lot of severe addiction issues. And she had gone into rehab. And when she came out, she was in a halfway house. And then he ended up, uh, she had to leave the halfway house and the other place to live. So he, he took her into his house. Well, he was living in a room in, in somebody else's house. So we had one room, so she was living with him. And, uh, and, and I, I tried to tell him that that's an issue. And he uh, tried to convince me and convince himself that it's not an issue, that he was doing the right thing because he was loving her. And I'm going to react. He said, I love her too much, this person to let her be out on the street. And I said, well, do, do you think that God can take care of it? He said, she shouldn't be living with you. But no, I think this is what God wants to do because that's how he's using her he on and on and on. He went to circle her thing. This guy's really super smart. And, uh, we, and that day I spoke at least as much as he did because I just kept on pushing and pushing and pushing. I love the idea. We left after an hour. We only had an hour. After an hour we, we left and he uh, was still convinced that, what he, that this was the good and the loving and godly thing to do. He was convinced of it. Um, about two hours later, I got a phone call. <laughs> and he wasn't with that. Now, I'm really not the theologian. I'm going to go to seminary. I'm, you know, but it was just this loving him and pushing him and pushing him and saying, hey, 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 hey. And I even brought up uh, uh, the band of David to sort of see that how to see he was doing to himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, within two weeks, he was married. Mm-hmm. And for the first time, he was like, now we can start the church. I think he down in that he's a three hundred sort of the church. And uh, he's been texting me this week as well, because I'm not going to meet with him. But um, anyhow, uh, the other interesting thing I'll leave with and then I'll uh, uh, so Solomon, if you look at Solomon, Solomon didn't succeed because Solomon didn't have a Nathan. I don't know I, I don't I haven't looked at this enough. I like to look at this more. But I think that Solomon probably didn't have the community that King David had. So, uh, again, this is why gospel-centered community is so important for you guys. And for me. For all of us. Um, so, um, I, again, I want to tell you some stories how this works. Uh, 
my friends in El Salvador, I'm going to talk about them a lot because I've been with them a lot. They're like sweet friends, but they, and they changed me. Um, so I went, the, the, the guy in El Salvador, he, uh, we built a seminary down there for the Assemblies of God Church. And we built, I don't know how many churches down there. We do what they ask us to do. We don't, you know, whatever the church is doing, it, and we go on help with it. And they, they actually change us, probably do us more good than we ever do for them. And so we, um, we built a seminary, and this fellow, when we first started going down, wasn't even a believer. Uh, he's been a Christian for quite a while now, been there 17 years. And he went to the seminary down there, and they said, we want somebody to go do this work in this remote area in Honduras. And um, he says, I'll do it. Now, he's got a family, and he lives, and he, when he works, he makes about six and a half dollars a day. So he would take a, a, a truck uh, to about 40 minutes away to the end of the country, and then he would hike two hours down the river and two hours up the mountain. Every week, he would leave on a Wednesday, and he would come back on Sunday, he'd run for two days, try to get work, be with his family, and then he'd go there. He did this for a long time. Um, I actually that I saw the records of the picture. I took a record of the book, of the, the church, of financial records. He got paid a dollar a week from the church. The church is so poor up there. The Mercy Fund, they would give people a quarter of 50 cents. That was a, that's how poor this place was. No one wanted the roads, and electricity, and nothing was just out there. He, um, so I went to support him. I wanted to, and he was dying for me to go see this work. This is the first stop. The other stop, second stop, is another two miles up the mountain. And then the next stop is another, I forgot how far past them, two hour hike past them. And um, so he says, Do you want us to get a, a truck all the way down to the river? It's a really scary area. I said, no. Nah. I said, I want to do whatever you do. That was a mistake. So, and we were in the So I had a backpack with everything, my food, my water, my clothes, my bed, everything. And we take off, one night, you know, it's a bad, we get the cage, go across the river, we start hiking up, we get about half hour up the mountain. I said, guys, I, I called him, I, called, I named him a Colorado Case, which means mountain goat, because I could not keep up with him. And I, I, um, I finally stopped, I laid down, I thought I was paying he took half the stuff out of my backpack and put it in his, and we finally made it up there. We got up there uh, about 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and uh, I was white. The other guy with me, another American, we went to this Adobe church, and they just built it, and they had a couple of Adobe blocks on the board, so we laid the board down, and we laid down to take a nap. There were a couple of plastic chairs around, so he wouldn't grab the, the plastic chair. I said, oh, good, well, I'll go to take a rest. So he puts the, he puts the plastic chair in a corner, like this. And said, oh, he's going to sit and take a nap. And we're just like, whoa. And then he, he gets down on his knees. For the next half hour, he's praying. He prayed after hiking a Bethel way. So then, um, that evening, he, they were going to church, so he went to pray again after dinner. And then he, um, he says, what time do you guys get up in the morning? I didn't know what's going on. I don't know what time to get up or anything. And I said, well, we'll, we'll get up at 5. Okay, I'm going to go to 4.30 so I can pray. <laughs> so, so then that night, we stayed in a little hut. And, and the ceiling was about like this. And uh, it's about a day wide. And, and we slept on the, on the third, third floor. We had a piece of plastic that we slept on the third floor. And uh, a bat stuck in the corner of the He had a bed that was off the ground, but it was made with batch, like um, leaves or something. And it rained so hard that night, and it had a tin roof. And about 
3 o'clock in the morning, he just couldn't sleep. It was so noisy. Nobody could sleep. Even he couldn't sleep. So Opalize will look over. He's praying again. I'm telling you, they convicted me as a guy who's been in ministry, and as a man of been in ministry, and uh, it has changed my prayer life. Just watch the news at work. Um, I don't know if I ever told him how convicting that was. I don't want to make him feel like he was. But there's another picture of the body and a picture of a sanctification. I have more, I, I, want, I have tons of stories. And I love talking about El Salvador, but um, anyhow. A community is the most crucial venue for your sanctification. That God uses, the Holy Spirit uses community to drive the, the Word of God into your heart. Don't have all those things in there. Alright. Um, so uh, I showed you this first yesterday, but I want to break this down a little bit. This has been really, um, really, really uh, motivating to me and eye-opening to me. Um, so let's read it again. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. Actually, you know what? Just don't read that. I'm going to read that in a second. I'm going to show you something. I'm going to do an illustration. I am, um, I, I get nuts about certain times. I told you over the camera. I get nuts about coffee. This is really, if you came here at 6 o'clock in the morning, you would see how nuts I am about. I've picked my own coffee. I depulse my own coffee. I ferment my own coffee. I dry my own coffee. I shelled it. And I roast my own coffee. Now, I used to roast all the coffee for the church. I found a guy who liked my coffee so much. He was a missionary. He wanted to deal with me coffee. We talked about the shop and everything. And he decided to do the roasting. And he said, the, uh, good roast is very detailed right here. Um, I want to start a because it's over roast and burnt. He takes coffee. I want to drink Dunkin' because it um, has no flavor. That's uh, it, 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 it has no flavor. It doesn't taste like anything. I have one cup of coffee in the morning. I'm good. It's good. If I don't have good coffee, I have none. I'm going to show you what I'm doing. a little scale here. I weigh up 24 grams of coffee. It's got to be good. Coffee, it's got to be freshly roasted. If I go to buy coffee, if it's over, if it's been in a vacuum sealed bag over two weeks, I will buy it. And when I grind my coffee, usually I grind it one cup at a time. If it's, if I grind it from a den, I have some left over, I drink it the next day. If it's two days old and ground, I'm going to throw it away. It's stale. Coffee, if it's, once I open it, I want to drink it within two weeks. So if it's four weeks old after that, it goes to trash. I get my filter. I do this every morning. I get my filter. This is a, a Kalima. I have about 12 different ways to make coffee. All of them are manual. I don't have an electric spoon. This is an important one here. This gets the water to 195 degrees. When it's too hot, you scorch your coffee. It's too cold, it'll go extract your coffee. I wet my filter over my cup first because I want to heat this up. And I want to wash the paper so I don't taste paper in my coffee. 
and heats my cup up. I broke the water out of the two of them. I put the 24 grams of coffee in there, and it has to be done with the burr grinder. It can't be done with the blade grinder. Because every piece is exactly the same size as the burr grinder. The blade grinder is part of the filter. I set my timer. I pour 28 to 30 grams of water in the filter to get the coffee wet. I timer for 30 seconds so it starts to extract. Then I pour the water in with this little spout. I pour the water in as fast as the water is coming out. So I fill it about halfway up, and then I pour the water in, and I let it come out as fast as I'm going in until I get to 340 grams of water. And I have the timer still going. I want it to finish in 3 minutes and 20 seconds. If it doesn't, I change the line. So if it goes too fast, I tighten, I make the grind grinder. If it goes too slow, then I'll just make the grind. If I can get it anywhere between 3 minutes and 10 seconds and 4 minutes, I'm usually happy, but I really want to get that 3 minutes and 20 seconds. And um, then uh, this coffee here, I run 3 minutes of this the other day for me. This is uh, $32 a pound. Um, I've had coffee that was $140 a pound before. Uh, usually I'm buying coffee that's, uh, the other coffees I have that would be probably uh, $16 to $18 a pound. Uh, normally I don't pay less than about $60 a pound for coffee, really good coffee. Um, this is a, it depends on the coffee now. If certain coffees are really good with French press. I don't pay on any French press, but there's that whole little thing like that too. Uh, the French press gets ground in the time different and everything. Some coffees are really good in French press. This coffee will get ruined in French press. Uh, but it depends on the flavor. And, and so why do I tell you that? I, I didn't tell you everything. It doesn't take as long as you think. Once you get it down, uh, it takes about five minutes to make a cup of coffee. And then I there's a way to drink your coffee too. I'm going to get that. It's a smelly coffee too. But, uh, um, I am devoted to a good cup of coffee. Literally, I'm the that you can see. Um, I am devoted to a good cup of coffee. I'll spend the time, I learn, I've done every piece of it. I still, when I go to El Salvador, I, I went to the top coffee farm in the country. I spent all day there with a couple people, and uh, we cupped, it's another thing you do for testing coffees. We cupped coffee, 12 different coffees. Uh, now my friend is now, uh, we're the first American importers of his coffee. And um, so before my friend that roasts my coffee now, before he buys any coffee, we go, we'll cup a bunch of coffees. We, they would cup 12 coffees so he can get one of them. They're all from Ethiopia. Um, so I'm devoted, obviously devoted. I probably shouldn't tell you everyone's going to be here at 6 o'clock in the morning waiting in line for coffee. Okay. Um, so this is what I think it takes. This is what I think God expects of us. You know, you see who he is. You see what he's done. You see what he wants for us. This is what I think it takes to have this kind of community. I say, we don't think this kind of community is possible. And I think, I think that's key. Uh, actually, I think I learned all this. I think it was Francis Chan that really drove this home to me. Uh, I'm really terrible about reading and then seeing little nuances like that, which are the big deal. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done throughout the apostles. And then you see the rest of, of what happened. Um, so I think that for um, God,
gospel community, Christian community, to be what uh, it should be, that we have to be devoted to the word, to prayer, to communion, to fellowship, and then all the come, will, will come upon us. Uh, does that make sense? And I, and I think that we really, I, I'm, as, as devoted as I am to coffee, I'm guilty of not being that devoted to the Word of God. I'm, I'm, well, I'm getting better at being devoted to prayer because of the body. I, uh, the funny thing is, it's a vicious circle. That if you're not in community, you're not going to be devoted. If you're not going to be devoted, you're not going to be in community. It's just kind of this funny thing. But you need the community even to help you to do this. Um, so anyhow, those are the things that, that make gospel in community. makes that Acts chapter to communion that really we should desire. Um, the, um, I, I know I told some of you guys, and these guys didn't do this, but I'm going to tell them this real quick, so just bear with me. And again, El Salvador, El, I think in your mission trips, a lot of times we retreat like this. Uh, last week we were at the beach, you'll see some of these yellow shirts. This was middle school. Um, when we were in El Salvador, I mean, my girls were those things. It was actually, we actually had, we had a big 50 gallon drum with some water in it. And so we could actually kind of shower off by the end of the bucket. Uh, the girls couldn't shower for three days. They used dry shampoo. Not one complaint from our girls. They couldn't use their phones. They couldn't um, shower. Uh, the food was interesting. Uh, I lost weight. Um, uh, some people got sick. Um, we call it the Central American Weight Loss Group. But, um, um, and, um, but every day, we, we, we lived in these people's houses, most uh, pastors and other friends, not all pastors, uh, but all of them loved Jesus. And uh, you could kind of speak to them. We all tried, the whole time to speak Spanish. They tried to speak English. Um, every morning, we got, we'd set chairs up, a big circle in the middle of the street, because there's probably cars up there. And we would have breakfast together, we do devotions with our Salvador friends and with our team. Um, we would sing, they played guitar, and they learned a lot of, a lot of songs in English, kind of, and we learned some uh, worship songs in Spanish, kind of, and we had, took them, we laughed and we sang, and uh, that every night we would uh, play soccer with them. Uh, we went to the churches, every single day we went to a different church. Uh, we helped, we played music sometimes. Uh, uh, we actually taught sometimes, we, they loved to hear from us preaching, and they, we tried to get some translate. Uh, we just, just fellowship and pray, worship just at the time of our life. But in the evening, we would hear from one of the different one of each one of the pastors or somebody working in the ministry down there, their story, their, their, uh, either their story how they got in or their uh, story how they came to faith. And then usually we would pray over them, we'd put hands on them. It really, they were crying because they were so taken by how much we loved them. And we were taken by how much they loved us. And uh, my, my co- all my college kids, every one of them, after about four days, every one of them said to me, it's so great not having my phone because it runs up. Uh, they use them for pictures. And uh, by the time we left, before we left, every single one of my college students would say, I don't want to go home. Funny thing is, we got back, I kept started getting text messages from them, and I'm so depressed. And uh, it, was a, it was a wonderful thing because they experienced the concentrated fellowship, that we can't always do it that concentrated. We, we were there all day, every day, and all of these things, um, every single day, all day long, it was concentrated form. 
And uh, it was wonderful, beautiful, and everything about it was just great. The spirit was moving, and um, they all missed it. The great thing is I said, that's a piece of heaven. You have a piece of heaven. Heaven's going to be better than that. And so when you go through rough times on earth, that's your hope. That's your sure hope what's going to happen in heaven. Um, I was going to tell you about them. Let me see what time it is here. What time is it? You know, 59 in about two minutes. All right. I'm I'm, I'm going to um, not read all these. You can write this down if you want. Um, This is interesting. This is right after... The church that I started in Acts, and it came under a lot of fire, um, and persecutions and ridicule and prison and so forth. And this was a picture of the body coming together to stand up. One, this is one of the, the, the advantages of, of, of community, is to, to be able to stand strong, stand firm in the midst of persecution. Uh, you guys might have the same persecution they had. I hope not. Uh, physical violence, thrown in jail and so forth. But you guys, you guys are in a battle. Um, I mean, our, our government, our schools, our politics is uh, becoming more and more hostile to Christianity. And it's easy to say, yeah, that's a, we're just in the day and stuff. Uh, that, that's a, a big reason why you need community. So if you read, I think it's Acts chapter 9. I know I wrote it down. Let me see. Uh, Acts chapter 16. You'll start to see the opposition to the church right there. And this was written after that happened. Um, I think Hebrews has one as well. So I want to end with this real quick. Because this is fun. All right. This is just a, I'll such a good picture of community and what um, this is supposed to happen today. No, but this is a, this is, it's a braided twine. You take, that, uh, take one of them apart, just twist it as you undo it, and take one of the strings off. Okay, I'll tell you what, why don't you take one of the strings off and why don't you guys leave it together? Who's super strong in here? Yeah, just unroll it. Christian, I'm super strong. Okay, you say that. <laughs> no, I, I, I'm serious, I'm serious. <laughs> I was serious. Alright. Alright, you, 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 you keep yours together. Yeah. Oh, you want me to rip it? No. no. Did anybody get their son done? Okay, got mine done? You can unroll it as you're just doing Just unroll it, like, you know, come. This is a... What am I trying to do? Okay. We just got to do something. Hey, that's you All right. Everybody got theirs? You got your son done? Take that, take that single string. Take that single string and pull it. Pull it. Broke it. Pretty easy, right? Did you break yours? Right. Yeah. It's really pretty easy to break that. <laughs> All right? Unless you're... Do you have... Do you have the oh, yeah. individual one? All right. Now take the, take the string of two. Pull the string of two. If you pull it, you, you can't break two. it. It's, it's two. What's left is two. Yeah. Yeah, what's left is two. All right. Can you break it? Yeah. Here, try it. See if you can break it. 
I broke it earlier. You can do it. Yeah. Here. <laughs> we'll let this guy here do it. Yeah. Hey, you got, yeah, there you go. Here you go. Here, break that. This one? Yep, break it. Go. Or is Ecclesiastes. This is. Uh, I actually did a lot of reading this, and I haven't come down to. Uh, I've heard a lot of things about this. I, I don't know which yeah. ones are really quick. I do know this is about. This is about community. This is a. I think this is a great visual picture of how we should not be alone. Uh, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, and he has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Although a man might prevail against one who's alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. Um, so there's actually studies. There's a, there's a great study online. I think Tim Keller did a great thing about this and about how the when you're just two people that you still can have something in common, and that something in common might not be really what the camaraderie and fellowship should be about. I mean, not that that's a bad thing. Like we could have magic in common. But he's talking about other things, and he's talked about how the, the third person, you could mention if the concept is that it's Christ, it's that we have in common, and, and it's that centeredness of Christ and that helps us sustain. And, it, and it's, it's the fight that we're in together, it's the mission that we're in together, and so forth. So uh, I'm not going to, it's just it's a great visual to kind of wrap all that stuff up. So, anyhow, tomorrow we'll, we'll talk about the effects on the outside world. And uh, just remember uh, that, that we are in community because we have been bought, we have been redeemed because of God. He made us to be his people. Um, and that that's why we are in community, that we are people together who uh, have been showing grace. and should be showing grace to each other. And that should extend in the circle, just like uh, Cyrus keeps on teaching about the points that I wanted to teach. Uh, but anyhow, let me close with some prayer. And uh, I, I didn't need to do much management for these guys. All right, Debbie, Father, we thank you. We thank you that you redeemed us and love us. We thank you that you brought us in community. Even people here from so many different states, that this is your body, this is your community. Help us to, to love it, to find it precious. Help us to pursue it. Help us to be um, de- uh, devoted to it. Help us to be devoted to your world, to fellowship, to uh, community, and to prayer as your community so that we can experience this type of community, be the people that you would like to be.